Welcome to Lorica, the podcast of Father Patrick Cardine, pastor of St. Patrick's Orthodox Church in Bealton, Virginia. St. Patrick's is a parish in the Antiochian Orthodox Christian Archdiocese of North America, serving the Western Rite. Father Patrick is also the administrator of the Orthodox West. Christ is in our midst. I posed some questions on Palm Sunday, more like lobbing a few hand grenades. Um, One of the things that I asked was why the eternal word needed to become a man and die in order for us to be saved. And if he needed to die, why the cross as the instrument of his torture? There are a million ways he could have died. Why not some other more humane and less hideous way? We read in Paul's letter to the Philippians, in chapter 2, he says, Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant, and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. He did need to die, and he needed to die on a cross. Was it because the Father derived some pleasure from the extreme suffering and shame and dehumanizing, vulgar death of crucifixion? I hope all of us can answer, obviously, no. And yet, this is what had to happen for our redemption. Now, there is a reason for the cross, and not just the cross itself, but for all the anguish our Lord suffered as man, the rejection from his own people, the slander and the blasphemy, the betrayal by even his own friends, the denials, the failure to stand with him, to support him, the brutal torture, the scourging and mocking, the shame that he endured. We can't even begin to grasp, really, the shame that Jesus endured, being hung naked on a cross, ridiculed by the crowds, the association with the wicked villains to his right and left, and finally, him dying under his own weight upon the cross, the most ignoble and heinous death imaginable. So our question again is why death and why death on a cross? In the Jewish Yom Kippur liturgy, there's a phrase which says, Repentance will turn aside the severe decree. Repentance will turn aside the severe decree. According to the law in the Jewish sacrificial system, the worshiper, the penitent, was to offer their sacrifice with a a disposition of repentance and humility in their heart. And this is what made them clean before God. This is what wiped out their debt, the debt of their offense. It was the disposition of their heart as they made the sacrifice. It's what made the sacrifice and the worshiper acceptable to God. 
Repentance will turn aside the severe decree. Well, except it didn't. It didn't work, not really. Well, for a time, it cleansed them. But it didn't really effectually change the person. They were still slaves to the power of sin. Their heart was still a heart of stone. Their righteous deeds, as Isaiah so colorfully says, were as filthy rags. Repentance is good, but repentance is not enough to change man's condition. Something more drastic had to be done. Something from God's side. There's a Jewish rabbi who's still living. He's now a Christian. He testifies that it was this very line from the Yom Kippur liturgy. Repentance will turn aside the severe decree. It was this line that convicted him of the inadequacy of the Jewish religion to save mankind. He began to understand that his repentance, no matter how sincere and deep, would never be enough to rectify fallen man. This was his entrance into Christianity. Something more drastic had to be done. Man had to be rescued by God by an act of recreation, and man could not recreate himself. If repentance on our part is not enough, we might also be so bold as to say forgiveness on God's side is not enough. There's a false idea that God needed something, that He needed something to be done for Him in order to be able to forgive us. That His justice needed to be satisfied. Now let me clarify Satisfaction is a perfectly acceptable term to describe what takes place in the atonement, but not in this sense, not in the way it's being used here. This idea that God wanted to forgive, but he was somehow hamstrung by this pesky law, which required a debt to be settled before he was capable of mercy. This is not our faith. It poses some dichotomy and conflict within God himself, a conflict between his justice and his mercy, which we understand are basically the same thing. God's mercy flows freely. God's forgiveness is indiscriminate. It is unqualified. God didn't need anything in order to have mercy and to forgive. It was his mercy which compelled him to come down here in the first place and to justify us by his death and resurrection. Our repentance didn't engender or provoke his mercy to flow forth. We didn't inspire God's love. His mercy and his grace precedes our repentance. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Even so, forgiveness alone does not rectify the problem. If we are left under the power of sin, God has mercy on the sinner. If we're left in our old corrupt state, but forgiven, that doesn't solve anything. That's like, you know, basically we're drowning in a sea of filth, a sea of refuse. And it's as if God looks down and says, I forgive you as we go down into the depths of the sea. The forgiveness does not rescue us if we're left in our old state of sin. That is, by the way, why we do penance. 
not to pay for our sin, but in order to bring us into a condition to be able to assimilate God's forgiveness. Well, we needed more than forgiveness. We needed to be made righteous. We needed to be justified so that we could enjoy that gratuitous forgiveness that God so willingly gives. When the human heart is stone, it doesn't matter how much living water is poured over it. The water's just going to run off. And a heart of stone cannot reconstitute itself. It took the Creator Himself to remake it. And He couldn't remake it with a simple fiat from the outside, from above, with just a word. That would be violence. That would be the undoing of our very humanity. That would destroy our capacity to love God. No, this was an inside job. It required the Savior to enter into our humanity. As we, as I said last night, were hurtling downward toward death, He had to go to the extreme limits of our depravity and fallenness. And that's what's behind the testimony of Jesus' passion and suffering. That which he experienced and endured and embraced willingly. The darkest plight of man. This is his solidarity with mankind. It's about God's taking unto himself all of our pain and degradation. We are under a curse, St. Paul says. Man is under a curse, a curse of sin. And Roman crucifixion was the fullest extent of the curse that Christ could embrace. St. Paul writes to the Galatians, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. St. Paul is writing this while describing in the same chapter how the law became a curse to man because it revealed that no amount of repentance, no amount of human effort or righteousness could actually change man. This is also why Abraham, who he also discusses in the same passage, Abraham is our father because Abraham, before the law, foreshadowed true righteousness that would come by faith. Faith in Jesus Christ, who in his own work and his own person transformed and redeemed man from the power of sin. Have you ever been betrayed? Well, Jesus took all betrayal upon himself. And though someone may betray you, you have another friend who will never betray you. Your Lord Jesus Christ. Have you ever been afraid? You need not fear. Because Jesus embraced the depth of all trauma and all fear in the garden of Gethsemane. And overcame it. Have you felt isolated and alone? Jesus himself, he was cut off. Utterly cut off from all and everyone. He totally entered in and took upon himself our feeling of isolation. Have you ever been abandoned? Jesus entered into our abandonment in his dereliction upon the cross. His utter feeling and embrace of our abandonment when he cried, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Jesus 
and the Father and the Spirit have done this for us. One act of God's love for us. Why? Simply because we are His pleasure. We are His delight. He came down that we might go up. He became poor that we might become rich in Him. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You have been listening to Father Patrick Cardine, pastor of St. Patrick's Orthodox Church in Bealton, Virginia. This has been a production of the Orthodox West.